Hi everyone, welcome back to the Little Green Pasture. Praise the Lord. Amen. Isn't it wonderful that it is God who worketh in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure? Amen. You know, I want to talk to you guys today about weakness. I really want to talk to you guys today about weakness and uh, some things that were happening just in the last 24 hours. And what I'm teaching today or really just sharing. And if it's teaching, let it be teaching. I don't know. I like to just share with the, share with everybody the things I'm learning in my life with you. That's the joy of it, really. It has such a wonderful koinonia feeling. You know, when we could just speak warmly, heart to heart, and hear other people's testimonies and what Jesus is doing in their lives. We need more of that. Well, before I get started, I want to honor Jesus Christ. I want to bless his name with you. Will you join me in prayer? So let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you so much for another opportunity, Lord, to go forth in your name and to speak about the things concerning you. I pray that you go before me, that you be my rear guard and my vanguard that you will be with my mouth and that, Lord, your words will be heard in the power of your Holy Spirit and that, Lord, that you will soften the hearts of the hearers and sink your love and your word into their hearts and that, Lord Jesus, your presence would be with us and with me as I testify of your faithfulness and the comfort of our Father's love. In Jesus' name, amen. Yesterday, I, after my devotions and Bible reading, all of a sudden I just felt very human. You know, when I was a lot younger, when I would feel very human, I would be so hard on myself, you know, like, what's wrong with you? Don't you know? You've got to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And I would never give myself the room to just allow myself to have a low, a low moment in my life, a low day. And, and then as time marched on, I learned that. I'm going to feel very human. So are you. And as believers, we get so wrapped up in, oh, I feel so weak today. I feel so weak. I'll be the first one to admit, I live most of my life like that. Always spending so much time focused on my weaknesses. Oh, Joni, and even doing these, I'll be honest with you guys, doing these messages. You have no idea how many millions of times it feels like, of course, not millions, but how I'm like, oh, I should have said that. Oh, I said that wrong. Oh, no, I got that verse wrong. 
and then I thought, oh, you know, just like a host of other things. And I, I, and just not even just doing these videos, but like, I realized that a lot of things in my life, I find myself going, oh Lord, I could have done better there. Lord, I could have done better there. And now I'm not saying I'm doing this constantly. I'm talking about a day here, you know, spread out a day there. And so yesterday, fast forwarding to yesterday, I said, I don't know what's wrong with me. It wasn't the enemy. It wasn't anything. I was just maybe some kind of chemical imbalance. I, I don't know. But I was sitting there and I was like, I'm not feeling sorry for myself. The Lord has been so good to me. But I guess I was just kind of, you know, thinking about things and, you know, I guess, you know, it's, it's personal, probably the same things you do. You know, it's not, I'm not different than you, but just things, you know. And so my husband comes home and he's like, are you okay? I go, yes, I'm fine. <laughs> I was nice to him, but I was like, yes, I'm fine. I'm going to bed. And so I went to bed, but I woke up this morning and, and, uh, but let me stop before I go into the, I woke up this morning part. Yesterday I was in second Corinthians chapter, uh, 12, chapter 10, verse 10. And it said for his letters say they are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Well, I kept on reading, but I kept boomeranging back. Like I get so far and I go back. Then I get further to keep reading and I go back. Finally, I stopped doing that. And it really spoke to me personally. Because not just because I do these videos, because even if I didn't do these videos, I would still feel the same. I know it. And maybe this will speak to you. Do you ever sometimes feel that maybe there's parts of you are weighty and powerful? Maybe like what these this person is saying to Paul, that maybe there's something weighty about your walk in Christ, uh, a gift that you have. But there's parts of you where you feel like my bodily presence is weak. And my speech is contemptible, like I don't say stuff right all the time. And I don't feel like I'm really qualified to really even talk about the Lord. I have a hard time uh, talking about the Lord. I feel like no one really even listens to me anyway. And, you know, I mean, I just listen, we're human and we're in these bodies. And it's like a dual identity. It's like a double identity. We're living in this world, but we're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We're made alive in our spirit. And so we have this life in this world and we have our life in the other world. And they're in conjoined together. I love something Amy Carmichael said, um, just to make a point about this. She said during her Donover uh, orphanages that when she first was sent by the Missionary Society, before I get into the Donover um, orphanages, uh, she went there. They sent her to Japan. It didn't work out in Japan. Then I think they sent her to China. Quote me if I'm wrong. Some of you know uh, Amy Carmichael better than I do. But uh, then it didn't work out there and she wound up in India. And that's where God wanted her. And so the Missionary Society that sent her, 
center to evangelize. But as it turned out, she turned, it turned out that she was taking in orphans. At first, it was little girls who were sold, given over, not just sold, but given to temples to be temple prostitutes where they'd have to live for the rest of their lives. Then it turned out that she went on to have little boys. And so I, she had, I think she had three orphanages altogether. So her work, of course, she had help. Uh, what went from the first six years of evangelism to washing diapers all day long and taking care of sick children and feeding them all day long. And during this time, she would have people uh, sending her money. And little by little, the money started to dwindle. And because they felt that she wasn't using the money properly, that they felt, well, we're, we want, we're giving it for evangelism and you're changing diapers. And so she received a letter one day with a check in it. And the man said, here is something to the effect, here is money to be given towards evangelism. Well, Amy sent the letter back to that man with a return, with a reply saying um, to, something to the effect, I'm paraphrasing, uh, I am returning your money. Uh, it will not be, I will not be able to use it for what I'm doing here because it just so happens that the souls of these little children, the souls of these children just so happen to be attached to their little bodies. And, you know, I really thought about that. And I thought, you know, there is, there is an outward appearance that people want. They want something they can set their eyes on that makes them, they, they judge by the appearance of a person. They judge about whether they're saying things right. They don't give room to somebody getting it wrong. Um, they would rather listen to somebody who is thinner and not overweight. They want to listen to somebody who has better clothes on or, you know what I'm saying? You get the picture. And so it just grabbed me, you know, and this morning I started to feel myself go south again. And I said, no, I'm not going to go south again. But I felt something powerfully stirring within my heart. And it started from yesterday and to today. And every now and then I feel this. I feel my humanity. I feel my absolute limitations. I feel my inability to uh, put into words what I'm hearing or sensing or what the Holy Spirit is giving me understanding about. And there's this clash of the flesh and the spirit. And, but more than that, something even deeper, there's a fight, there's this fortitude. And I started to think about fortitude and but I, before I get into fortitude and what really fortitude means, most of you have a, an idea of what that means. We use that word fortitude like, well, you got to have great fortitude if you're going to do that. Something difficult, something hard. That's the only time that word fortitude is ever used is if something is, well, if you're going to go and do that, that's really difficult. You are going to have to have fortitude and you're going to have to have tenacity but fortitude is the word i want to talk about today 
or his letters say they are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. I want to read some things to you that I did some research on. And I mean, I've gone over this so many times and there's so many different passages. The Apostle Paul speaks about his, like, say, for instance, his eyes, um, uh, that you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. We know that there was something wrong with his eyes and and there's other uh, passages, but I don't want to read a bunch of passages today. I just want to get to some points here for you because I want you, I want you to, in your weakness, say, I'm okay that I'm weak. I'm okay because I believe that the weakness, the strength that I think all of us all this time are trying to have. No, I got it. Like Paul, like not Paul, uh, King David says this term. I bear up the pillars thereof. In other words, I'm holding everything up by my hand. The pillars hold up the whole house. And so we think we have to hold up the whole house of God by being, by fomenting some kind of a strength. But God doesn't want that kind of a strength. That's an outward kind of strength. And we 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 should, to a degree, exercise a strength of our will where we go, no, I'm not going to do that. Yes, I will do that. Yes, I'll go there. No, I won't go there. And we should have absolutes. You grow into your absolutes. But let's let's see what some scholars say about 2 Corinthians 10.10 10 about Paul. So first of all, this reference that is being made uh, was is a reference to a well-known opponent. So when Paul is saying, for his letters say they, he's repeating what they were saying about him. And so it's it's a it's a it's a it's a poke in the eye. It's mean. So these words point to physical infirmities, and they seem to refer to nothing else. The contemptible speech meant literally speech of no value, counted as not and referring to a weak voice. Uh, Tyndale and Wycliffe, this is what they say. This is the proper meaning of the word contemptible. Whatever Paul's fervor and mental spiritual power may have been, it is evident that he lacked the conventional gifts of the orator, the powerful voice, the fluent and facile delivery the arts whereby to enchain attention. It was not the manner of his speech, but its manner which attracted his hearers to him. Uh, Farrar, another scholar said, no one can even curiously read Paul's epistles without observing that he was aware of something in, in, the, in his aspect or his personality, which distressed him with agony of humiliation something which seems to force him against every natural instinct of his disposition into language which sounds to himself like a boastfulness which was abhorrent to him, but which he finds to be more necessary to himself than to other men. It is though he felt that his appearance was against him. His language leaves on us the impression of one who was acutely sensitive, and whose sensitiveness of temperament has been aggravated by a meanness of presence. 
which is indeed forgotten by the friends who know him, but which raises in strangers a prejudice not always overcome. You know, Tyndale, when it, he talks about his letters being weighty and powerful, uh, Tyndale renders this as sore and strong, and the Greek is heavy and strong. The sense is that his letters were energetic and powerful. They abounded with a strong argument, manly appeals, and impressive reproof. This even his enemies were compelled to admit, and this no one can deny whoever read, read them. And about his bodily presence, meaning his personal appearance. It says, is weak, and in Greek is asthenes. It's a word often used to denote infirmity, <clears throat> excuse me, of body, sick body sickness and disease. There was some foundation for it. It is supposed to refer to some bodily imperfections and possibly to his diminutive stature. Chrysostom, an early church father, says that his stature was low, his body crooked and his head bald, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. He made a mean figure being of a low stature and having an infirm body. The account the historian gives of him is this, that he had a small and contracted body, somewhat crooked and bowed, a pale face. He looked old and had a little head. He had a sharp eye. His eyebrows hung downwards. His nose was beautifully bent, somewhat long. His beard thickened pretty long. And that as the hair of his head had a sprinkling of gray hairs. Some scholars say that in the Acts of Paul and Thecla, a third century romance, he is described as short, bald, bull-legged, with meeting eyebrows, hooked nose, and full of grace. John of Antioch, another church father in the sixth century, says he was round shoulders with aquiline nose, meaning shaped like an eagle's beak. He had grayish eyes, meeting eyebrows, and an ample beard. You know, when I read that, and my mind started to race about all the different places of the things I've read about Paul and his arguments and um, his how he talked about, I'm the chief of sinners. This is a faithful saying and worthy all of acceptation that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Or how he says, um, does everybody burn and I burn not? Um, how he even says, you know, it says of him in Galatians uh, 4, 3 and 4, where he says, you know how through the infirmity of the flesh, I preached the gospel unto you at the first and my temptation, which was in my flesh, ye despised not nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. So we see that the Galatians saw that there was a, his flesh. There was something physically wrong with him now we don't have direct words uh in the bible that describe anything else about paul the apostle than the ones that you can of course do your own research it's easy just google it uh, about paul's physical uh infirmities and you'll get some good research but what i'm meaning 
about this is when I looked at that and I read that yesterday, I was feeling so weak and really I was feeling down. And, you know, when you get older, and I know there's people much older than me, I'm 60 years old, but, you know, when you're 60, you really start feeling things and things start feeling different and looking different. And you start to see the world going faster than yourself and you're slowing down. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not having a problem with that. I'm just saying I'm feeling it. But I, I thought about Paul, you know, Paul the Aged. He called himself that in the book of Philemon. Paul the Aged. I, Paul the Aged. And there's something beautiful about that. And I thought, and I, you know, there, there's so much more that I read about Paul. And for what I understand about him was, and I didn't write this all down. I didn't read it. I just gave you an outline. But what I fully understand, I just want to just say it. Just want to run with it. Um, from what I understand about him, um, he what he his appearance, as you see, I mean, people like, yeah, his letters are weighty and powerful. See, he was, I was reading about how uh, his letters, as Peter said in Peter, 1 Peter uh, chapter 5, how he says, how, speaking of Paul, how his words are sometimes hard to be understood, that his mind was sharp. He was a passionate writer. Um, his mind was like a bear trap. I mean, it was like sharp and he wouldn't finish what he was saying. And he was the one in all of his letters that he had the most parentheses because his parentheses show his mind was going in different directions. And he's, because he was sharp. I mean, when he, before he was a Christian, and became a believer of Jesus Christ and was born again. He was a, like by today's standards, he would have been the top flight attorney of the United States, or we'll say Israel. Uh, but when he became born again, that brain was still in him. So as he's teaching and he's writing letters to the churches and his pastoral epistles, um, and he's contending with adversaries. You can read that in the book of Acts. You know that there's a side of him where he's fighting back with them and he's contending with his adversaries and he's standing up to them. And there's other times where you could see where his heart is breaking, where he's saying, the more I love, the less I'm loved. Or he's saying, I have loved you like a nurse. You know, I've, I've cherished you like a nurse, he says rather. Um, and that I have even you know, I, I have, I have uh, birthed Christ, you know, I birthed you into Christ. And he uses all these kind of just these nursing um, words and you see a, a kind of a complex man. And, but yet you see a broken man and you see a man by outward appearance, people are looking at him like, first of all, they don't, from what I'm seeing is they're hearing letters being read in the churches in Corinth and in Thessalonica and, you know, the Macedonians he's, and all his letters are being read to the churches, to the people. So when he would come around, people would be like, what? Like, and so we even saw his contemporaries like Chrysostom and, and there was other philosophers and people that were in his uh, day that I was reading through scholars, not to mention hot adversaries but what was interesting is the adversaries called him um, the hooked nose the hooked nosed galilean and 
there, and I read stuff that some like Lucian, and there was others that said things about him, and they were his hot opponents. And his opponents that described him, even in a mean sense, those that loved him, that were the early church fathers that knew him, said the same thing. So we do know that that is how he looked. And uh, so the reason, again, I'm bringing this up is because I saw that as contemporary Christians, and I'm sorry, but that's just what we are. You know, we're last days Christians and we have been, there, there's been so much deception in looking at outward appearances and even looking at our own self the totally wrong way and we disqualify ourselves. And when I look at him, I think, look at who God chose. The one who wrote a third of all the New Testament. A man that his body was so like it was crooked and he had weeks, according to his, a different kind of voice, according to them, they said contemptible speech of no value counted as not referring to a weak voice. Um, but he developed, you see him develop from the book of Acts and you see him develop into being Paul the old, Paul the aged until you can see where it is true. Like what Farrar said that he felt as though he, he it, it was as though he felt his appearance was against him. But that made him, um, be, and, and that he was acutely sensitive. I think all of us are acutely sensitive. And, and that was his temperament. Like he was potent on one end, but he was pushed into this new life. And he was entrusted with the gospel to the Gentiles. And his own people. And there was, I mean, he really was the apostle out of all of them that put up with more beatings, more stonings, shipwrecks, stripes, constantly being stoned. I believe he was stoned to death. And you picture that little body, that little weak body, but what a powerful man. What a powerful man. Do you follow what I'm saying to you? It's time that all of us take our eyes off of what we think looks powerful or even people who sound powerful. I'm not interested in that. You know what? I, I'm not interested in a seminarian knowledge of Jesus Christ. I want to know Jesus Christ in my weakness. I want to talk about that weakness. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter uh 10, same chapter, verse 7, before he uh, was said about him, about what I read to you about how his letters are weighty and powerful. But it says, he says to the Corinthians, do ye look on things after the outward appearance? If any man trust himself that he is Christ's, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ's, even so are we Christ's. Like, don't be looking at what we look like. I, I was reading something else from a historian who was talking about, you know, they have their books and people that they're reading. And I trust what they're saying, you know, the right ones. And it was talking about uh, some 
I guess there was a couple of other contemporaries that knew Peter and they spoke about how Peter looked and they said he had like this really flat forehead and and that he just the whole description of him was not handsome. But look at what we have become. Our qualifications are our outward how we look. Our qualifications are that we sound like we're educated. That if we have this or have that or we have this certain setting. You know, our outward appearance means nothing to the Lord. And that's what Satan does. Satan loved his out his appearance. That's when he wanted to become God. That's when he fell. That's when he took a third of angels with him. You think Satan taking a third of angels of all of heaven's angels, that's a number none of us can fathom. But you know what Satan's doing? He's getting everybody to look at how they sound and how they look. And by today's standards, it's like women have to have a certain look. They have to wear certain clothes. They have to have a certain, all these certain things. But you know what? It says, let women, the women of old, 1 Peter chapter, chapter 3, that there be no fixing up of the hair and putting on of a bunch of jewelry, but it be, but the ornament, let it be an ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. I say, let that ornament be a meek and quiet spirit of you men, too. You know, I look at everybody. They want to run to conferences because they want to go to the person, the men, men and the women. And they're all in expensive clothing. I'm not downing conferences. If you like conferences, that's fine. But I'm just saying that there's an outward looking to that qualifies whether a person is to be listened to or not. You know, Jesus was a weed, out, like a shoot out of dry ground. It says in Isaiah 53, he had no form or comeliness that anybody would know him. That means he was a weed. He looked like a, like a weed. He was common and he was ordinary. He was born to a teenage mother. He was an adopted son of Joseph. And then he died. For us, that we could become the adopt, receive the spirit of adoption whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. So if you're adopted, remember Christ was adopted. And we make so much of our outward appearance. Now, I'm not down about, look, I think we should always try to look good and wash our face and stay clean. I'm not meaning that. But look at this man, Paul the Apostle. Everything about him is outward uh appearance it is though he felt that his appearance was against him and he had to fight with that about his appearance and he's telling the galatians you know I, I love it how he says to the galatians you know he says you know how through the infirmity of the flesh meaning maybe he struggled physically maybe it was hard for him to stand up for long periods of time or who knows but it points to physical infirmity and seems to refer to nothing else. And then he had a kind of voice. So you see how his letters were weighty because he was powerful in his ability to write things. And see, you have certain things about yourself that are powerful. 
that you're powerful in your service to your family, but you feel that you are weak in your speech, your bodily, your bodily weak and your speech is contemptible in everything else concerning the Lord. So you disqualify yourself. You know what I think that we have made, we gotta be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. You know, I, I, wanna, I wanna share stuff about myself right now. When I was younger, the Lord did call me into warfare, but it's a whole lot different now than it was back then. Because I was always constantly warfaring, coming against this, coming against that, warring here and warring there. Now, there was times I did have to war and there's times I did have to stand up. And sometimes I did have long campaigns and those were real. But sometimes you can be unbalanced in that. And I got imbalanced in that. And the Lord was very kind to me and I can testify of his goodness and kindness to me. And he taught me about warfaring and who fights and when and rules of engagement. But things are a whole lot different now. And so I want to read something to you from Amy Carmichael. And it spoke to me yesterday. She said, there is a story about a man named Peter Tynar who was having a stiff fight with himself. He was trying to keep his courage going in the face of the bitterest trial he could call on to face a crippled old age. He writes first of ordinary bravery, quote, I mean by being brave, playing the game by the right rules without letting it worry you, that you may feel that you may very likely get knocked on the head. That kind of courage, he says, is only good nerves and experience. But the big courage is the cold-blooded kind, the kind that never lets go, even when you're feeling empty inside and your blood's thin, and there's no kind of fun or profit to be had, and the trouble's not over in an hour or two, but lasts months or years. One of the men here was speaking about that kind of fortitude. I reckon fortitude's the biggest thing a man can have. You just go on enduring when there's no guts or heart left in you. And I thought that is a difference of fortitude. Fortitude is strength of mind that enables a person to encounter danger or bear pain or adversity with courage. I understand what this man, Peter Pinar, Pinar was saying, that there's a, a, a point where we could be strong in our daily life and maybe even contending for the gospel or in anything that um, you do that you have to show strength for. Okay. And it can be physical strength and it can be mental strength. It can be emotional strength where you're, you, you do have the power within yourself to stand up and deal. Right. But then when you're pushed into something, that is like something that just breaks you down and you don't have that strength that doesn't match what's happening in your life you're in a whole different dimension that now calls for a fortitude it's the big courage of fortitude i like that i've been there before and i'll tell you it's like you shift from one world into another and it's nothing that you churn up yourself or try to do because it's 
it doesn't match with what's happening in your situation. Didn't happen with me. But I saw this verse in 2 Corinthians. I went on to 13 verse 4. Though he was crucified, Christ, though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him. You know, I really read that for the first time differently. For we also are weak in him. But we shall live with him by the power of God towards you. And further down, it says, verse 9, For we are glad when we are weak, and ye are strong. And this also we wish, even your perfection. You see, the things that have fallen out to you and to me are not just for you and me. It's for other people. That may not be consoling to you right now. And maybe later that will come. But in your week, it says we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God. You know what? Paul said, I, I prayed the Lord three times that the Lord would remove this thorn in my flesh, this infirmity. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. He said, therefore, rather do I glory in my infirmities. That when I'm weak, he is strong. And the power of God rests upon me. You know, I want to follow Paul. Paul said, follow me as I follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to follow that man whose speech was contemptible and his bodily presence was weak. It says, be ye followers, Hebrews 6, 12, be ye followers of them who by patience and faith have obtained the promise. You see, Satan gets so many people. Let me just say this. The other day I had to go to the doctor, routine, nothing big deal. And I'm sitting there and there's a screen on some TV thing is playing. And it was some commercial on plastic surgery. And I'm just sitting there looking at it. And it shows all these women, they're my age. And this doctor's telling him, oh, you need to have these things done. This is, needs to be pulled back. And women going, oh, and you know, these, these doctors were talking about, oh, there's these new procedures and you'll look better if you do this and that. And, and, and we have these new skin procedures. And I looked at my husband, I said, you do realize those women that you're seeing up there that are in their late fifties, late forties. I said, they're spending tens of thousands of dollars on their outward appearance. And all of them, I don't know who they are. Maybe they are a couple Christians. I don't know. But when there's so much attention paid, there's something lacking within. I mean, could you imagine how Paul felt? Knowing how he looked. You think that was the only time? Paul heard. Yeah, his what letters are heavy and weighty. Yeah, they're heavy. They're weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech is contemptible. I would venture to say he heard that the whole time, probably to his face. 
he was probably laughed at. Look at you. But there was a fortitude in that man. Despite his sound of his voice and everything else. He was a sensitive man. He was a loving, beautiful man. His final words were in 2 Timothy chapter 6, verse 8. It says, For I'm ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And now, henceforth, a crown of righteousness is laid up for me, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give unto me, and not unto me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. I want to stand on his side. He said that the night before his death. He wasn't whining about what's going to happen to him and how mean people were and how he barely could keep up and, and the brutality of the words and how they threw him down. And But he said, no, I'm ready to be offered. I'm ready. And I'm looking forward to it. That beautiful man. I want to be like him. But try to become more quiet. Listen to birds singing. Quietness puts space between you and the world. Stop trying to force so much on yourself so you be strong. But say, well, I am weak. And it says, though he was, how it says, he was crucified in weakness and raised in power. And I say, Lord, then crucify me in weakness. And let me live with you in power. That's what we want. Live with Christ. Live with Christ in your weakness. And live with him in power. Amen.